Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Bald, Bold, and Gold, and this is our sixth episode, believe it or not. As always, it'll be Ian Waller and Tom Slevin, joined by me, Alex Donvan. The Irish are back, we are back, but unfortunately, my hair still has not come back. It's going to be another spectacular show for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk about you know everything that happened in college football, another big week coming up ahead. But mostly, we're going to talk Irish football. Big win against Florida State may not have been the score we wanted, but there's a lot of positive things to see. Got a big game coming ahead against Louisville, so, all right, let's get going. So we had another fun week in college football. Obviously, you know, our whole day was built around the Irish, but, you know, there was some points in the Big 12, uh, some big games in the SEC. We saw Bama, you know, not look like Alabama after they got hit by the lane train. You know, they still won, but I think we can start with that. The story there was that Bama, you know, let up 600-plus yards to Ole Miss. Yeah. Do you guys think that was more of a Bama thing or more of an Ole Miss thing? I think it's a little bit of both, for sure. Uh, sorry, do you mean to cut you off? But I think it's a little bit of a both. Go ahead. Saban, Saban complains that he thought they had their signals, so oh, I guess I, Ole Miss cheated. Oh my gosh! I'm inclined to agree with what Lane Kiffin said. They, were, I mean, I think that Ole Miss is just running plays too quickly to to worry about stealing signs from anybody else. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Also, I think that like Ole Miss's defense is just I – mean, the, the offense that Ole Miss runs is just inherently difficult to defend because of the way they spread the field. Um, and I think that was, a, that was a major contributor to why that was the first time that Alabama has given up that many points to a team that wasn't an actual championship contender uh, in a pretty long time. Um, I'm not terribly worried about it from an Alabama standpoint, but it was definitely right. – I was, definitely, I was def- definitely surprised that, that Ole Miss almost covered by themselves. Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're looking at Bama in years past, like it's almost a night, like a breath of fresh air having them win a game that way, just yeah. outscore people. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you got somebody in Mac Jones too who can put put points on the board. So I think I'm with you. I'm not too too terribly worried about it if I'm a Bama fan, and I, I don't no. want to put that, put much on Bama. And we know Ole Miss can score, but do you guys see? Uh, do you see Kiffin's press conference afterwards? Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was gold. So he goes. Yeah. Uh, so he's talking about apparently when Ole Miss was leaving the field, it was at it was uh, at Ole Miss, and they got like a standing O leaving the field, and Kiffin was pissed. He was like, "I don't know why the hell we're getting a standing O. We didn't come to <laughs> lose football games." Like it was absolute football guy quote. He was just like, "I don't give a shit if we get we lose by seven to Bama or lose by ten to Bama, we lost. Like I don't want a standing ovation." Yeah, 
you also made a good point. I think the Mac Jones, I think this is a look very good for Mac Jones. He kind of, he kind of put himself in, in the conversation, in a serious conversation um, for, uh, for a Heisman talk, uh, just the way he played. I thought he played really well. Um, and kind of, kind of put himself in the conversation. Yeah. It helps because this might be the best offense. You know, I know they've had really good ones the last few years, but this offense is definitely up there. I don't think they've taken a huge step back since two left, but this BAM team's different. Obviously there's holes in the armor. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week against Georgia, you know, a team with an actual defense, you know, we'll get into this game a lot more when we're previewing it. Uh, but that, you know, that's the game of the week and now Nick Saban has COVID. So, you know, all eyes are going to be in Tuscaloosa this upcoming week. Uh, kind of just going around the ACC, I think you know, we almost called this out that the Miami Hurricanes are pretenders. Uh, I think that was going to be obvious. Clemson just steamrolled them. Miami had one offensive touchdown, blocked a kick for their other. wasn't close. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was pretty funny. I flipped over to that game at the halftime of uh... – the game South Bend, and I just see the replay, and Dabo was trotting out his kicker from like sixty-five yards out. So it <laughs> got blocked. So I mean, was, that was literally the only good thing going for Miami there. But we've seen that for Miami in past years. Like, yes, they have talent. Yes, they have they can recruit. Yes, they have a turnover chain. But like, when have they really showed up besides beating us? Yeah, I can uh, I can completely see Miami winning out, but I cannot I do not see Miami. Um, Miami competing for competing uh, in any serious manner for a playoff position after after that performance. I just don't think that they played well enough um, and won't have enough enough else on the schedule um, to make up for it. Especially if they can't get the if you know if the cards don't break their way and they can't get into the ACC championship game. I mean, I I think they're just not a complete enough team in the trenches to you know I, I don't think they can win out with that line play that we saw. You know, Derek King was mm-hmm. running for his life. Uh, Clemson's O-line steamrolled their D-line. And I think they can run into some matchups where team gets pressure, turn the ball over a few times. Next thing you know, they're in trouble. I think Pitt's a team this week. Once again, yeah. we're picking that game as well. It's a team with a great D-line that could you know put some pressure on Derek King, hopefully contain him because you know we saw he's not a gunslinger that's at the level of the best college or quarterbacks in college football. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think – yeah, they have talent on the outsides, but they're just they're just not a complete football team. And I, I think the ACC is going to be so hectic this year; it could it could lead to a couple of losses for them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep, and then another game that stuck out to me was Carolina and Virginia Tech's shootout uh, in the ACC. That was kind of absurd. I didn't think either of those teams had that much power. I was kind of impressed by Virginia Tech to be able to put up that many points, but once again, I think you can group them in the tier with Miami as behind Notre Dame. And then once again, behind Clemson, the ACC, but you know, those are two teams that are really fun for fun to watch. Yeah. Especially for uh, especially for a noon kick. That was a, that was a lot of points, yeah. uh, quite the shootout. Um, but we had, we had a few noon kicks. I'll break that. Uh, that game, that game uh, looked like it was a lot, looked like it was a lot of fun. It was good to see points get put up. Um, and I think it, uh, Obviously, obviously reflects very well on North Carolina, but good to see that Virginia Tech can can, can put up some put up some points as well. Yeah, it, it looked it looked good for Sam Howell and the Tar Heels, but I thought that game was over like four different times, and Virginia Tech just never said die. Like they just kept yeah. coming back into it. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it was an entertaining game, but Virginia Tech just didn't have the firepower to stay with them. So I mean, 
But that's a good win for North Carolina. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, do you guys think that uh, North Carolina is the fifth best team in college football this year? I mean, no. The Big no, Ten hasn't started playing no. yet. But, uh, I mean, that, that I'm just not used to seeing a number next to their name as yeah. like a number that high next to their name. Like They'll sneak a 23 in there sometimes. Yes, sometimes. But I, 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 <laughs> I will say I have not watched enough of them this year to really make a judgment, but them barely beating BC stays in my head a little bit. Um, and I don't think the number five team in the country barely beats BC. I think with a with a full uh, with a full rankings out, and, and we'll, we'll we'll get to that when when the Big Ten comes comes to you know comes to comes to show up in two weeks. But I don't see North Carolina as a top five team. I don't see North Carolina as a top ten team. I think there's a good case for them to be made that they can sit between you know twelve and fifteen or twelve and sixteen. Um, in the rankings, and that seems like that's going to end up being their sweet spot. I just don't think that they're good enough to be in the top five. But so far, the way things have played out, um, they've they've earned that top five ranking for the time being. And I guess in this country, innocent until proven guilty. So until proven otherwise, they're the uh, they're the fifth best team in the country. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, they they can they can. I'm confident that that team could put up points on anyone. It's just they aren't as you know complete enough to be a top five team. You know, especially you know they were seven and five last year. They weren't coming off of anything special. But talk about putting up points, Tom. I know uh, your boy Sam Ellinger. I know you want something. You want to say something to him? Yeah, I just for I feel bad for my boy Sam Ellinger. I think he's very talented. I thought he looked really good um, in what ha- in what turned out to be one of the most exciting games of the weekend between two pretty bad teams. Uh, I think Sam Ellinger's in a, in a, is, is dealt, has been dealt a shit sandwich and he's been uh, he's st- stuck, stuck in a Tom Herman system that, that that's not going to work for him with, without a defense. I think he scored six touchdowns uh, on the day and the final score was, you know, and they put up 45 points. So it's, or he counted for six touchdowns. So I, I just feel bad for my boy, Sam Ellinger. Uh, I think he was the better quarterback in that game and, and his defense just could not bail him out for, to save to, for anything. Uh, but that again was uh, a quadruple overtime game between two pretty bad teams still made for some pretty good football. So how do you, how do you fix Texas right now? Cause I, I don't think Tom Herman is, is the answer right now. And, I, I, I'm with you. Like I think Sam Elgar's really talented, but ever since he gave the whole "we're back" interview, I love seeing yeah. this. And I was like, Tom Herman's a jackass. So like, I, I how do you fix him? Because you know we're talking about North Carolina. Mac Brown has turned that program around pretty fast. And I saw something today that it was like, if you if Mac Brown repeated his four worst seasons in a row at Texas, then like if you did that since they fired him, they'd have seven more wins than they do now. Like. There was no reason to fire him, and they haven't gone the right direction since. So, how do you fix Texas? See, the problem the problem is that I see is like who's playing defense in college football this year. You know, like I don't see any truly elite teams. You know, I guess obviously Clemson is, but they they gave up over twenty to Virginia, who's not a great football team. Uh, you know, Notre Dame kind of has an argument. We just gave up twenty six to Florida State, though. So, like. You know, are, not are not at, not that our special teams gave him a couple yeah. points too. All right, but you know, like you look at you know, usually Texas, what they could look for is look at the elite SEC defensive coordinators. No one's playing defense there either. It's kind of a tough situation for them in terms of who they hire. I think Longhorn fans would want to see someone defensive minded, someone like Mac Brown, obviously. But obviously, that's I I can't tell you how to fix 
Texas, you know, you got to get a defensive minded coach, but there's just not many of those guys out there in today's day and age. So I was, uh, I gave the, I, as I, as I normally do, I gave the cover three voice, the cover three podcast, another listen this week. I think they're a very good overall recap of what's going on in the college football landscape. And they spent a really good deal of time uh, talking about how to fix Texas. Um, and you know, they're, they're probably Texas is fixed as Max Brown, right? Is, is a Mac Brown, but uh He's not on the table. So I think the other fix that they talked about is somebody by the name of Urban Meyer. Um, uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that because it probably takes if 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 he was offered the Texas job sometime in the next eighteen months, it more likely than not takes USC off the table for him. Um, and that and that would be that would be a, I, I would find that to be a relief uh, for, for Notre Dame fans. So maybe the fix is Urban Meyer, maybe it's not. Um, but yeah, that defense, that defense is, uh, is, is pretty bad. Urban Meyer, uh, his name is being tossed around to be the fix in Atlanta for, uh, the Falcons though. So I heard that around all over the place, but it's, it's, it's honestly, he can go wherever he wants. It's just up to him. Yeah, uh, it is. Self issues. Must, must be nice. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, should we talk Irish? Let's talk Irish. Yeah, why not? All right, so felt good to uh, you know sit down on Saturday night and watch the Irish. Obviously, it was a little more stressful than it should have been, at least in the first half. But if you told me on Thursday that you know we would give up 26 points to Florida State, uh, only went by 16, not cover, I probably would have been a lot more upset than I am right now. And uh, – I think the reason for that is just because we dominated when we needed to. We shut them down when we needed to. We made big plays when we needed to. And that's why I'm not upset about only a 16-point victory. What do you guys think? Yeah, you said stressful. I wouldn't say stressful. I, I want to say more so annoyed because um, you're right. Whenever we needed a play, we got a play. And, I mean, on offense, we moved the ball almost at will. Um it was annoying because they kind of ran on us more than they should, and they moved the ball more than they should, and we, we turned the ball over more than we should. But I never, ever really thought that we were in danger of losing that game, which I've felt in the past. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that completely. I was never – it was never uh, – I never felt scared at any point during that game. Um, I agree. I was, just, I was just a little annoyed. I think that, I think that this, def- this, this Notre Dame defense is a lot better than 405 yards to, to a pretty young – and uh and, and frankly not very good Florida State offense. Um you know I thought Jordan Travis played well and Tamar Terry on the outside was good. Um uh, but for, you know for over 400 yards a lot of yards for a team that I don't think was I don't think was very good. Um I do think that there were some bright spots on offense and and like you guys said I think they, the offense made plays when it needed to and uh obviously the offensive line was outstanding again and the running backs uh running backs were running through some gaping holes. Um, so that so that was good to see, but yeah, I, I agree. I just I was never I was never very fearful of of, of what the end result was going to be, but I was a little a little annoyed. I thought that 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 performance should have been a little bit more dominant, but it's also you know should should keep in mind that we were uh, was it through a three week break uh, in between games. Right. I, I'd expect I expect I would I did expect us to have to shake off a little bit of rust there. Right. Yeah, and quite honestly, we're facing a pretty similar team this week, and. Louisville, at least in their offense in terms of, you know, they have a mobile quarterback, they have receivers that they want to go deep to. And it, I think Clark Lee's pissed off. I think that might've been, you know, his, one of his most embarrassing performances other than that game in Ann Arbor last year on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, 
And I think he'll come out with a vengeance this week. I think he'll come out with a really good game plan. I think, honestly, a lot of it probably had to do with going three weeks without contact. You know, that yeah. almost never happens during a season to a football game. Yeah, I don't know if I put enough uh, emphasis on that, just thinking about the game and kind of giving us a little bit of an excuse in that sense because it took us a little, bit, a little while to wake up. Um, I, I, I thought Jordan Travis looked pretty good. He looked very mobile. And that kind of hurt us a lot. And uh, Tamari Ontario is a beast. Like, he, he is a good receiver, and I think he'll play on Sundays. Um, but Travis doesn't throw the ball all that well, and when they moved it, I thought it was more so not their athletes beating our athletes, but uh, just kind of like not busting coverage or, and just not being on the same page defensively. We looked. It was a rusty performance tackling scheme, everything. Yeah. I'd agree. Although we did have some, especially Wu, absolutely laid the boom. Wu absolutely laid the boom on some on, on some hits, which was great to see. He was all over the place. Was that the on the uh, the jet sweep that he just hopped out on and just capped him? That was a great play. Yeah, God, I'd sick. agree. Do you guys want to dig in a little deeper? Get into the sure. grades. Yeah, let's, let's start with the quarterback. Uh, I can start out with Ian. Uh, overall, I think this is the best game he's played all year. I uh, don't think it was really that close. Obviously, USF wasn't a real team. But in the first half, he almost didn't miss a single throw. He did everything we needed to. He used his legs when he was asked to. You know, he looked like he actually took a few shots downfield. Javon McKinley, you know, was able to run into it. Looks like he's you know, sticking out of that receiver room. But you know, I thought Ian played good, not great. He still missed some throws here and there, but very few of them. He did everything we needed to. When you're running games that good, that's all he needed to do. So I'm going to give him an A-. minus. Wasn't perfect, but solid. Yeah, I'd, uh, I was. I actually had an A- minus as well. Uh, 16 for 25 for 201 in the air with 58 rushing um, and three total TDs. I think that's a pretty solid day. Uh, I don't think that you know, he necessarily needs to be doing any more than that for, for Notre Dame to win games. I thought it was a really solid performance. Um, and I'd like to see one thing that you touched on, and we'll probably touch on a little bit later, because there's one thing that I'd like to see our offense do a little bit more over the next few weeks before we welcome Clemson to the South Bend, um, is to start to throw the ball down the field a little bit more and just to at least see what we have. And and that was it was good to see Javon McKinley getting some touches down the field and, and see if we have any other threats down that way. But overall, on, on for Ian, I'd definitely give him an A minus. I thought he played, he played, he played pretty damn well, um, and uh, and made 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 good decisions. So can't complain. Yeah, I think it's a consensus A minus there. I thought it was, I thought it was one of the better games we've seen him play in a long time. Um, he had confidence and he just kind of had a, a little bit of a mojo to him. Um, but again, like he misses some throws on short crossing routes that where guys have 30 yards of acres in, or 30 yards of space in front of them. So uh, just cleaning that up 16 for 25. That's, you know, what is that? That's 60 some percent, 62%. Maybe more than that. Um, but uh, 64%. Like I just hit for the type of player he is, he's got to be somewhere in the high sixties, low 70 range. Um, that's kind of what's keeping me from giving him an A. All right. Next up we have the running backs. Uh, 353 yards rushing for the boys. Uh, I think that's just, you know, that's all you can ask for and more. 
these guys are running through holes. They're hitting them hard. Kyron was making guys miss in a hole. Tyree was making guys miss in a hole. For the most part, a running pack position, it was just those two. But I thought it was the best they played all year. When they hit a crease, they went and they actually housed it. That's something that we've seen over the last few years a couple times, especially last year, having guys you know hit a crease. They're turning those 40 yards into touchdowns is what they're doing this year. I think we saw that. Uh, this is another group, even with, you know, everything happened 350 yards, still going to give them an A minus, uh, one, because I think all three of us could have run through those holes yeah, and <laughs> probably put up 200. And second, you know, we did put the ball on the ground on the first, on I guess, second play of the game. And that's something that, you know, that's a backbreaker against a good team. So. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I'm also on the A minus boat. Uh, another another grade agree, grade lock up here um, for the exact same reason you said. Um, the only reason they're not getting an A is because it was Kyron, I think, right, who put the ball on the ground um, early, uh, and that's like like Donald said ex- exactly. I don't think there's better words for it that that against a, against a better against better competition that costs you um, more steeply. You get punished for that. Uh, consequences are greater. So I'll give him an A minus, but overall, I mean, they look really good. Uh, on the times that Kyron and Chris Tyree carried the ball, they averaged 9.6 yards a touch, which is just ridiculous. Um, so I, uh, that, and like, yeah, the, the whole, the holes were big, but it was good. To, it was also good to see some breakaway speed, some closing speed, um, getting the ball across, across the goal line uh, for some, from some distance out. So I'll agree. A minus. Yeah, um, I'm also going to go A-minus because you guys mentioned the fumble. That can't happen. Um, but also, um, there was a couple times, those holes were massive. There was a couple times where they were through the hole and they got like shoestring tackled like twice. And that's kind of what's keeping me from an A+. Other than that, they did have you know some house calls right as they hit the hole. And you knew it right away. Uh, but what's keeping me from an absolute perfect game is that fumble and just one or two where there was going to be another long touchdown run and they got barely tripped up, which I'm not even saying is their fault, but uh, that's what's keeping me from giving a perfect grade. Yeah, I, I think if I had to classify this, this would be a high A minus grade, not yeah. a low A minus, but easy for the graphic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so next up, I we can go to the wide receivers. Uh, it was nice. Seeing uh, Javon McKinley step up, he had over 100 yards against a really good corner in the Sante Samuel Jr. Um, other than that, there just wasn't a whole lot of production. Joe Wilkins had a pretty big drop where he had wide, he was wide open, had a lot of room to run on the third down. You know, once again, you know, it was the return of Kevin Austin, but he had three snaps, one target. I liked throwing the ball to him deep, just like trying to get him involved. But I guess Kelly and Dell Alexander agreed to that. You know, maybe he needs a little more time to work into this system, get on the same page with Ian, and I'm okay with that. But overall, you know, this is the group that, you know, we're just kind of waiting to come around. Maybe Javon's the guy. Maybe Kevin Austin's that guy. Maybe someone else comes out of nowhere. But um, overall, I give them a B plus, and that's pretty much because we had a 100-yard receiver, Javon McKinley. He also crushed people blocking the ball. So, yeah, kudos to him, but B plus overall. Yeah, I uh, I hate to be all in complete agreement here, but I also gave a B plus. Um, I think I'm going to be. I was a lot more critical of the lack of production from outside of outside of Javon McKinley. I think it's great that he played as well as he did, and it's really good to see him get involved um, and to, to to be a part of the offense. I think, like I said earlier, we need 
Um, if there's one more piece of the game that I'd like to develop before we go into Clemson uh, in, the, in the coming weeks, would be to get somebody on the outside who can who can make some plays and, and, and can uh, and can catch the football. So I would. Uh, I, it was good to see McC- uh, Javon McKinley show flash of that, and he blocked incredibly well. I, that was like the biggest thing that stood out to me again is his perimeter blocking. He's an elite perimeter blocker. Um, he may not be an elite receiver overall, but he certainly is an elite perimeter blocker. Um, so yeah, I'll go with I'll go with a B uh, B plus as well. Yeah, I like what you guys say. I'll, I'll give a B plus again for the easy graphic. Um, I wish we got Avery Davis involved a little bit more. Doesn't seem like Bennett Skronik is going to be much for the whole year. Um, Brandon Lindsay had I thought an all right game. Um, I think I'm lower on Brandon Lindsay than a lot of other people saw. It. My expectations are lower, so. What we saw from him, I think, is what we should expect to see. Um, but, again, the blocking, the whole, looks like the whole unit is, is willing to block and you can get their nose in there. So um, that that's what the, kind of the saving grade for me. So, yeah, I'll agree with you guys. It, it just feels like they're missing one guy now. I think Javon McKinley, the way he's played the last few games, has shown that he'd be a really solid two receiver. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think he's the alpha dog, you know, like we've had Claypool, Boykin. We just – Kind of almost at this point, I think McKinley's a known quantity. I think we know we know what we're getting from him. It's it's just kind of has to be Kevin Austin, you know, coming out or you know, like I said, someone from the clouds. But, yeah, like yeah, need 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 a dude, need a dude, just need a, need dude. a dude. Didn't see anything from Jordan Johnson. Yeah, which isn't great because seems like he's in the doghouse. Yeah, he might be there for there for the foreseeable future. Imagine if we had the guy who was good enough to score four touchdowns in an NFL game on Sunday. That'd oh, be nice. looking good. We'd be looking good. Real pretty. Yeah. But uh, moving on, tight ends, once again, we know this is a strength. I don't really have any complaints with the tight end group um, other than, you know, maybe, you know, stretching the field down the seam or down the corner a little more. Uh you know, I think it's an A. This is, you know, they played at a championship level, I guess. But, all right, Tom, I see you reacting over there. What do you got? I also gave them an A. Um, I think they I think they were really, really, really good all day, um, and especially especially run blocking. Uh, Notre Dame's bread and butter is going to be this counterplay um, that, that they run a lot. Um, and I think that as, as good as the offensive line was, as much credit as the offensive line deserves, um, I think that guy, uh, somebody like Tommy Tremble also deserves a lot of high praise. He was crushing some guys uh, as a lead blocker, um, and that was and that was really good to see. Uh, for especially on my end, it's, it's, that's how I think football should be played. It was good to see the Titans get involved and playing some some run heavy, uh, smash mouth football. So, uh, and it was good to see Mayor Mayor get Mayor get in the end zone. He looked, uh, uh, you know, it was a short short little drag route, but that that's good enough for me. Get Get eighty, get eighty seven the ball uh, any way you can. So uh, I'll give him an A as well. I thought they, I thought they played pretty well. Yeah, I'll give him an A as well. Um, what I think is really great is how di- how dynamic all three guys are. You know, like if you're lining up against them, you don't know if they're going to run block or go out for a route. Um, all three guys can do everything really, really well. Um, I think that makes them difficult to defend. It makes the the whole unit difficult to defend. So all good things I saw from them. I, I didn't see any reason to dock them. Um, so I'll give him a night, yeah. All right, moving on to the line. Uh, the big guys, I mean, that was championship-level play. This will be my first A-plus of the year. I- I'll let Tom explain more on the big guys. I know you want to. 
God damn, that's the most deserving A, a plus I think I have uh, I've ever heard. They uh, they were they were lights out. They were outstanding. All five guys uh, across the front. Um, like Kelly said, I think Kelly Kelly's been saying this a lot. Where um, yeah, I don't necessarily think they have the most talent overall. Uh, I think you have to look at you'll have to look at that twenty what eighteen offensive line that had uh, Quentin Nelson and McGlinchey and Mustafer and Bars, who I think are all on NFL rosters right now. Um, but uh, I think because Mustafer got activated today uh, by the Bears, but uh, this is definitely a unit that plays really really well together. You can tell their chemistry is incredible, um, and it's big kudos to to Liam Eikenberg for playing more than half that game with, uh, with one eye. Uh, that was, that was pretty cool to watch. I think, I think that they're striking fear, uh, in D lines across the country. Um, so we'll see, I think, you know, this weekend may not be the, may not be the biggest test, but I think they're going to have, there's going to be a Titanic matchup when they try, when they travel to Heinz field to put take on pit. I mean, yeah, Slav, you said it. Um, that's all I got. Those guys are actually animals. Liam Eichmer playing a game with one eye is Herculean. What a beast. What football a beast. guy of the week. Football he did win guy. football guy of the week. Shout out to Mark Matzik. He did win football guy of the week. I mean, he, he that was disgusting. And I can't even, like, imagine what he was seeing out there. Like, me as a, as a glasses wearer, I really struggle with vision <laughs> in any type of athletic situation. Him as just getting punctured in the eye, I, don't, I have no idea how he did it, but uh, extremely impressive. Yeah, and another thing, even when he was out for those two series, we didn't miss a beat. Dylan Gibbons yep. stepped in, Aaron Banks moved the tackle. Didn't even look like there was anything different. You know, I think that was that speaks to our depth because we know Josh Lug probably could have done the same thing. He did it most of last year. So it was also uh, another another good week on Pro Football Focus. I won't spend too much time on it, but they uh, they received another incredibly high grade. Yeah, makes sense. All right, let's flip to defensive side of the ball. Things weren't as great here. I think we can all agree on. Uh, starting with the guys up front, uh, this is kind of a split grade for me because I thought the DNs played well, but the interior of the defense didn't, especially against the run. You know, we had four sacks, but a lot of that was kind of a product of Jordan Travis being the player he is, trying to escape the pocket. We missed him. A ton of times we missed we had four sacks we missed him more than four other separate times this game could have been you know almost record setting if we were just able to get our paws on him but you know I didn't like a ton of what I saw on the ground uh you know missing Myron up front hurt I think more than we thought it would so overall I have the D-line as a B you know just okay you know sacks kind of they're saving grace from that grade being lower I uh, I'd agree with a lot with, of what you said. I gave him a B plus because I think if there was a if there was a highlight for a position group as a whole, I would say that the on defensive I would have given it to the D line just given that they got the four sacks. Um, but I think they often struggled to to contain uh, Travis. And again, like you said, that's a that's a sentiment of the kind of quarterback that Travis is. Uh, but the four the four sacks was good. I think Ade got two right. Um, which which is good. I like to see I like to see the the feature DNs get get some sacks as well. Uh, yeah, I just it, it, the B plus is going to be my grade. I just didn't think they were. Uh, I think I've certainly seen them play better games. I, I didn't think they were absolutely terrible, but they they definitely could have could have played better against a pretty bad Florida State offensive line. 
Yeah, I'll echo what you guys said. I'm going to say B-. minus. Um, yeah, I thought Ade played well. Other than that, uh, nothing of note. And I thought they, they pushed us back. Like, we were when they ran the ball, we were getting pushed back. Um, so that interior did not do great. And I'm going to go B- minus more so because I thought it was a chance for them to dominate. You know, against a, a lesser Florida State O-line, I thought this was a chance for them really to step up and take control of the game. And it, they gave Jordan Travis opportunities to beat us down the field sometimes. So, uh they, they, they missed an opportunity, and that's where I'm going to go with B-minus. Yeah, so I also have the LBs at a B-minus, and with the way Wu played, you know, with his big hits, that's the thing. He had those big hits. He's going to be all over the highlight, highlight reel, but he missed a few plays in space as well. You know, he's not prone to missing tackles, but you do notice him out there where he'll get to the right spot or something and then just not finish the play. Maybe he needs to focus more on, you know, just wrapping people up. I don't think so. I'd love him just lighting people up. You know, that changes the tone of the game, but you know, Drew White was non-existent. Uh, Maris Lufau and Shane Simon at Rover, not our buck, excuse me. They were non-existent. I have him as a B minus woos, you know, tackle for losses, big hit. That's like the only really same grace. Uh, Bo Bauer did have a nice game. I'd like to see him get more snaps, but yeah, I, uh, I'm sitting at a B, um, bright spots are Wu and Bo Bauer gets a sack. Uh, I did not think that uh, Shane Simon or Maris, Maris Lufau played, played well at all um, at the buck spot. Um, and, and Drew White was, Drew White was fine. I think, um, I think they struggled, struggled the run game and, and the time struggled to contain Jordan Travis. And like that first, it was the first Florida state touchdown. Was, was that the one where Jordan Travis ran it in? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that that one. Uh, I think if you go back and watch the film on that, I think you could see that uh, uh, it's. I, I'm almost certain it was a blown assignment from Shane Simon at the at the buck from the buck spot. Um, he kind of gets sucked in, um, and Jordan Travis gets skirt right around. So I think you know whatever. I, it's not the end of the world. Uh, Notre Dame still wins the game, but um, they definitely could have could have had a cleaner effort. Um, so yeah, I'll give him a B. I'll go. I'll go B minus um, again. We should be hearing those linebackers' name all the time. We should be hearing Drew Wright's name all the time. Um, and he was almost non-existent. You forgot he's out there. Um, the Paul Moala loss was kind of tough. I hope he's all right. I didn't get any actually news on his injury. Uh, do we know how bad his was? He, he's he's Achilles. He's done for the year. Ah, that's too bad. That's too bad. Um, losing him is tough just in the terms of depth. But I, I just expected more from the linebacking core this game especially and did not get it. So I'm going to go B-. minus. Yep, I think, you know, that's one position on defense that honestly worries me the most just because we don't have a lot of depth in playmakers. I think D-line, there's a lot of guys who are established there, but linebacker, you know, Drew White's been solid. We know what we have in Wu, but the other two positions kind of scare me a bit going forward against some really good running backs that can make you miss in the hole. Uh, Moving on to DBs, this was a game Kelly came out and said that you know, three of the corners, I think it was Bracey, Lewis, and uh, Nick McLeod, all, none of them practiced until Thursday, which prompted the move of Sean Crawford, the corner. Obviously, when you have that many guys moving around, you know, it's really tough to get ready for the game on Saturday. But with that being said, you know, this is a performance. I don't think Kyle Hamilton played his best game. I know he had some tackles, but he was cleaning up a lot of the mess that the linebackers made, not necessarily plays he was making. You know, he's still without a pick for the year. Obviously, Crawford, he 
had a deflection, had the pick towards the end of the game that I thought was going to help us cover, but obviously not. Um, <laughs> but uh, overall, I have this group as a B minus. You know, there's one guy on Florida State's offense that you had to be worried about, Tamori Ontario, and we didn't take him away at all. He torched us. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm giving him a B uh, for the same reason they gave linebackers a B. I just didn't think they played uh, particularly well. I think there were some bright spots um, that you can take away from the box score, and uh, that Sean Crawford pick was 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 very nice. was was a good was a good read and a good play. Uh, but overall, uh, I was I was I was underwhelmed. Um, that's the spot that I just I think just from my time spent at Notre Dame outside of Julian Love. Um, I tend to, I tend to, I tend to really worry about the defensive backs, especially in the, especially in the corners. Uh, maybe not as much as safeties, but especially in the corners. And, and I think they proved again why, uh, why, why that worry is warranted. They didn't, they didn't play very well against Mario Terry. Um, and there are, we're going to see some other big receivers. I think they, they're going to continue to get tested and, and I hope that they respond uh, a little bit better, uh, in, in the coming weeks. So I'll give, I'll give them a beat up. Yeah, I'll give him. Oh, I'll give him a B minus. I think because it's just so clear we just don't have a shutdown guy. Um, yeah. And if it's you know if it's one on one, there's going to be opportunities for for opponents there. I thought Tariq Bracey made some nice plays. Nick McLeod was pretty streaky. Sometimes he'd make a great play, and sometimes he'd, he'd get beat. So uh, a tough read for them, and tough to give him a grade. But I was unimpressed overall. So I'm going to say B minus. I would like to see. I would. Lo- I would like to see Nate McLeod find his stride here. Uh, I, think yeah. be, I think that'd be extremely helpful for the secondary and extremely helpful for this football football team overall. I think I mean, he's got you know, talent. I, I I think like sometimes you're like you're like damn nice play, and then sometimes you're like all right that looked way too easy. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, it just terrifies me right now here on October 14th what we would look like trying to cover Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, and John Mechie from Alabama. Yeah, like, you can't double all of them. No, no. You, you got to go up against some guys. And Georgia presents a similar problem. Um, you know, if, if mm-hmm. you're ever cross paths with them, and you know their teams in the Big Ten, like Ohio State, who will present a very similar problem as well. Um, so, we'll see. Yep. And then I guess last but not least, I know we can't forget about them. Special teams, obviously not Ooh. our best. Could have yeah. forgotten Ooh. about them this week. We could have yeah, forgotten about them. All right. So I had special teams C minus. I mean, this was. Pretty unacceptable, to be honest. We handed them points. Dora missed a kick that he makes last year. I'm starting to worry, but, you know, we didn't make a play on special teams either. That's one thing that, you know, we have to do against big teams. Those th- those can change the game. I'd love to see more explosiveness out of the return game. Obviously, when you muff the first punt of the game, you're telling dudes just go back there and catch the ball. So that's hard. But still, there's a lot we can improve on on special teams. So C minus those by far, you know, the worst of the three phases of the game for me. Yeah, I'd agree completely. I give him. Uh, I'm going to give him a C. Um, I guess I'm just a little bit nicer than you are, D. But uh, that was uh, that was that was certainly something. That was a forgettable, forgettable Saturday night in South Bend for for the for special teams there. Um, the one minor bright spot was I thought kick returning. I thought kick returns were really were pretty good. Um, um, look at Jafar, Jafar and Tyree. Tyree got two. Jafar got one. I thought those were fine, but uh, yeah, outside of that, I was uh, I was extremely underwhelmed with their performance for a group that I tend to be pretty high on. Um, that was uh, that was that was a little bit that was a lot of bit disappointing. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm might go. I'm gonna go maybe C minus, maybe D plus. I'm with you. The quick return looks all right. Other than that, special teams just makes me nervous, and I have zero confidence ever that they're gonna make a play, a positive play. Um, and your special teams, you're out there to change the game in a positive way, make a big play, cause a turnover, and not turn it over. But that that's we did. We did not force anything out of them, and we turned it over. Um, coming off such a good special teams game against USF too, I think their special teams were awful. I talked about that. But like, we should be so much better at that phase of the game than we are, and we're not. And so that's why I'm so low. Yeah, that was tough. But overall, I think we can conclude this was, you know, maybe Notre Dame's A game on offense, but the, you know, B to B minus even, you know, around, yeah, I'd say probably B minus game on defense. Then it will still – you know, a solid win over a team with a lot of talent. And the game was never in question. It wasn't as close as the score indicated. Uh-huh. So, I'd agree. Mo- yeah. Moving on, we have a team that's honestly pretty similar to the one we just played. It's a team with maybe not the star talent as Florida State, but Lu- the Louisville Cardinals have a lot of dudes who have proven themselves on a college football field. Uh, it starts with their offense as a team that can put up a ton of points. And contrary to that, their defense has given up even more. They're one in three. It's a game the Irish are favored by, you know, 17 in. You know, this is a game I think that we should win going away. And I think, you know, if our defense plays well, it shouldn't be close. Yeah, I'd, uh, I I agree with, with, with a lot of what you said, uh, D. I'm, I'm, I'm still worried about this Louisville team. Um, I think they're incredibly quick. I think they're really fast, super athletic. Um, much like Florida State was, um, I think, but even even more so. Um, their offensive line's awful, uh, really, really bad. I would I would expect their defensive line to feast, but some of the some of the some of the speed on the outside um, worries me again with with a shaky another shaky performance from the DBs. Um, you know, I think Cunningham's good. Cunningham's a good quarterback, and and Tutu Atwell on, on, in the perimeter or on the outside poses poses a uh, poses an issue. Um, I'd also say that. They uh, that they for sure are better than their one and three record. Uh, that mm-hmm. might be a bit of a hot take, but I think I think they're better than that one and three record, um, and should and should not be overlooked. I don't think it's trap game whatsoever. I think that Notre Dame will come out prepared, but um, definitely something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be surprised if if they hang in, especially in the first half. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they're better than that one and three record. Uh, nothing to look over. Uh, they have. Talented, proven guys, as you guys mentioned. Um, but again, we're better at every every position on the field. Um, and if we show up, it should not be an issue. Yeah, that, I think, you know, this is another game. You know, Florida State had big dudes on their O-line. It'll be interesting to see how our D-line goes in and handles. Because Louisville runs a 3-4. Their nose guard only goes about 280. Then they're two, I guess, five techs or three techs, whatever, whatever they have them playing. They only go about 250, 260. So they're about the size of the Irish's edge guys. And, you know, with how big and strong our O-line is, it'll be interesting to see, you know, hey, do we push them around or does something happen where they're able to slant and slow excuse me, slant inside quickly, you know, beat our guys across the face and cause some real trouble for our run game. I don't think that will be the case. Once again, I think these guys are too experienced. You know, there's already four games of film out on Louisville, unless they pull some insane tricks out of the bag, I think we'll be able to know what's coming. Once again, they've actually given up, you know, a lot of explosive plays. 
maybe this could be Kevin Austin's coming out party. If not, I'd love to see Ian Book hit Joe Wilkins or hit you know Avery Davis or Lawrence Keys. Get those guys. We just need more receivers involved in touching the ball, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is – you're right. This is a game where we could see – this is a breakout game for somebody. Don't know who it is. Could be somebody defensively. Um, definitely op- opportunities for receivers to break out. But I would like to see somebody step up and make it their game. Brady Lindsay game. Tommy Tremble game. Somebody make it their game and just kind of take over that field. Yeah, I'd agree. I uh, I think this could be uh, – I'd like to see the pass game a little bit more this week. I, I've, I think we're, we're, we're a proven commodity up front um, and with the running backs. Uh, that is, that's something we know we can rely on. Uh, but I think it's something that I would like to grow over the next two or three weeks is, de- is definitely the passing game, especially on offense. Um, yeah. I just, I'd like to see us, see us throw the ball around the yard a little bit more, uh, have some fun with it. Um, again, I don't think you need to play a great game to beat this Louisville team. They already needs to play a good game. Um, so I think, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them take a few more chances, but, but we'll see. All right, do you guys want to get into – we'll get into our score prediction when we do our picks at the end, as always. But uh, we're going to go around, each give a key or so to the game, You know, maybe two if you have two, one that's really eating at your mind. But uh, either of you guys want to go first? Uh, I'll do not, Ian. Why don't you, go, okay. Ian do you, why don't you guys go first? All right, I'll go first. Um, I want us to win the turnover battle. I want us to not turn the ball over. Yeah, that's why I go first, Ian. That's why I go first. Um, <laughs> I want us to not turn the ball over turnovers because that that is not something we've seen all year. Um, we're too good on defense to not be taking the ball away, and we're too good on offense to be coughing up like that. I want us to win the turnover battle and not have a single one on special teams. So that's my key. Yeah, I was I was pretty much going to say the exact same thing. I think this is a Louisville team that's really turnover prone. I was going to say, you know, if we get two, if two of them, it might not even win the turnover battle, just knowing how we've played the last few weeks. But, you know, three or more would be perfect. I'd love to see some interceptions. But so, yeah, since you took that one, I'm going to go with, I would love to see two that, you know, I said this last week and, I, you know, it didn't happen. I'd love to see it again is two 40 plus yard pass plays. Um, we still really haven't taken that deep shot to Lindsay. He's, faster than whatever corner they're putting on him let him run uh or if it's something like you know what we've you know that was a staple of Ian Book the last two years you know put that back shoulder you know this won't be 40 yards but you know maybe McKinley's that back shoulder guy down the field that Claypool and Boykin were in the prior two years so you know my biggest thing is I just want to see us push the ball a little more downfield I know we'll be able to run on them they'll load the box and try to stop it it's going to be open for us so take the shots and it's not necessarily if we do that. We, if we complete, you know, two plus forty yard touchdowns in the air, I think you know that's a sign that we're dominating the game. Yeah, uh, my my what I want to touch on is I would like to see though the matchup that I'm going to look for is our back seven on defense against the speed that Louisville presents. Uh, again, I'm still a little worried about it. So between our linebackers and our DBs, um, how do they ha- how do they handle um, a, a pretty dynamic quarterback? Um, and uh, a pretty good, a really good running back in Hawkins, and and a, and a shifty and speedy receiver in Atwell. Um, I think that'll be that'll be an interesting matchup. It'll be something I'll, I'll watch all uh, all day. I'm not really worried about the front, uh, the fronts on either side of the ball. Um, and similar to what D said, uh, I think I think get the passing game going as well. But for me, it'll definitely be Notre Dame's back seven uh, versus the skill guys for Louisville. 
I think that's a good call. And like I said, you know, we'll get into our score picks. It's a 17 and a half point line. This is the first time all year the Irish over under has gone into the 60s in Vegas. And I think that's a result of you know, the respect Louisville's offense has gotten, even though, you know, Notre Dame's probably the best defense they've faced at the same time. So moving on, do you guys want to hit the Q&A? Sure. Yeah. Let's roll. All right. I have one that, you know, I like right now. It's just because uh, we forgot to do our awards uh, just now recapping the Florida State game. And so shout out to our listener, Phoebe Freitag. Saw her in South Bend last weekend. Great to see you. Uh, she said, favorite thing we saw from the Gold Hats against Florida State. So I feel like this is the perfect time to give my bald head of the week. Um, so this was one, you know, I'd love to give it to the O-line. Those guys were crushing people. But we really needed the wide receiver position to step up this week, uh, you know, in any way they could. And so Javon McKinley, he's been doing it all year blocking on the outside. And, you know, seeing him get some catches against a really good corner, Asante Samuels, a guy who's going to play on Sundays, probably, you know, second or second most talented guy on that Florida State defense behind Marvin Wilson. And seeing McKinley, you know, work him for over 100 yards was really awesome to see. So this week, Javon McKinley, congratulations. You're my bald head of the week. There you go. All right. Ian, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, you go ahead. All right. My, uh, my, my big fellow of the week was a, was a pretty easy decision. Um, it's Liam Eikenberg, uh, two-time winner. Again. Uh, again, yeah, again. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't care to hear anybody else's opinions if they have, if they would have picked somebody else. Uh, I'm pretty firm on this. Uh, he's the football, he's now the football guy of the week and the big foot and the big fellow of the week, which is, uh, is pretty high praise. Uh, I thought he looked really good again, uh, a real gritty performance. Uh, and I like that the left side, um, left side has become ha, has become the strong side. Uh, it seems to be where we left like to side. run that. Exactly, that's that left side seems to be where we, where we like like to run that counter. Um, and and he's he's a big part of why that's so successful. Um, so for me, my favorite thing, uh, my favorite thing of the week, and, and my uh, my uh, my big fellow of the week goes to uh, goes to Lee Eikenberg. All right, you guys may not love it, but my Ian's Intelligence Award of the Week is going to go to uh, Sean Crawford, um, just for another position change. I know, I know it's probably not easy to do, uh, but he came in, and he wasn't perfect, but uh, he did what he needed to do. So uh, a big pick there, um, moving into that nickel-slash-corner position sometimes up from safety. So I'm, I'm going to give it to him. He We throw him all over the field, and he always gives us you know, but his bat, or everything but his you – know, you know what I'm saying. He gives us his all. Um, so I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Sean Crawford the intelligence board this week. I mean, we'll definitely need him this week against um, Tutu Atwell, who's one of the probably might be outside of you know, who maybe ETN for Clemson might be the fastest guy Notre Dame faces on offense. Yeah, we need, we need Crawford to catch him. So we need Crawford to do his best. You know, shutting him down. We'll probably need help over the top as well. So, all right, who's got next? Ian, either way, do you want me to go? Or you want to go? All right, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, Madeline's question. One of our one of our biggest biggest fans, Madeline. She asked, "Which pod member would you uh, would you choose to take with you to a deserted island?" Um, I'm taking Ian. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Ian. I just think he'd be, uh, <laughs> he'd be a little bit a little Let's bit more go. more useful than um, than than D. I feel like D and I have similar attributes. 
yeah, D and I have similar attributes, so I think me and Ian would probably complement each other more, and that's the answer I'm sticking with. That's why I'm taking D. Uh, that's why I'm taking Ian and not D. Yeah, um, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go second here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take Slev as well, and this is probably a gut <laughs> reaction towards Donna's performance in South Bend this past weekend. Just. Uh, I need I need a wee guy, not a me guy, and I'm, I'm bringing Slev to that island with me just just so we can get it done. Appreciate that. Now, D, who are you who are you bringing? So this is pretty much uh, the interesting part of the question. Uh, I think I think we knew how those first two responses were going to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Let me think. You know, with Tom, you know, Ian, I think you'd be the better hunter. Oh, that's not, that. I don't think anybody's no. ever told me that. I don't think anybody's ever said that to me that I'd be the better hunter. But, but, but then, uh, but then, uh, you know, in terms of like archery and things like that. But at the same time, I think Tom would be the better fisher. I think he has more patience. I think he would wait in the water. I think he would take the time to clean the fish, start the fire. I think you would just kill the animal, Ian. So I'm going with Tom. Appreciate that, Dick. Yeah, if you didn't give the breakdown, I'd be pissed. But because you broke it down like that, I, I, well think, you right, I think you made the right call for sure. Really good question, though. I like that one. Yeah, uh, thank you, our listener, Madeline. All right, our next question comes from our um, official hot girl, official hot girl correspondent, and uh, celebrated genius Claire Durkin. Um, <laughs> we are legally required to call her that. And her question is, if you guys were to spin off the podcast in an HBO prestige television program, who would you all cast as yourselves? D? Uh, Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> He's bald. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's bald. Uh, what about Bruce Willis? I, 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 nah, Vin Diesel's a good one. Yeah, for no. me. I think Vin Diesel. Bruce, yeah. Bruce Willis. Really good Vin Diesel's like... I don't know. Like half the time, people call me Diesel. I think that it's not where it comes from, but I, I think he'd be a good job playing like the meathead type role that I am. I don't know if I've portrayed on the podcast a ton, but I think you know he's more similar to me than Pitbull is in terms of bald guys. So I yeah, we'll that. go with that. Although you pull, you, I've seen you pull off a pretty good Pitbull before. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think that um. I'd probably go with Tom Segura, comedian. Yeah, um, Tom the Beast. I think we uh, similar similar builds, um, and I'd like to think that while I may not be as funny as him, there is a similar sense of humor that we find this very same things funny and could do a good job playing each other uh, in an HBO TV series. So I'm gonna go with Tom Segura. All right, I'm gonna go with maybe um, I'm gonna go with Joseph Gordon. Joseph Gordon Levitt. That's it's a like good a choice. little bit of a. Uh, I don't want to say nerd, a little bit of a dweeb, a little bit. Um, you know, not not in bad shape, not in great shape, just kind of a middle of the road guy. Um, and I think he could do some great things. He could really take my character to. Uh, he can make some choices with with me from taking from the paper onto the HBO screen. So I think uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt would do a good job, good job portraying me. Good pick. All right. Is that all we want to touch on? Do we want to move on to the last segment of the week? Are where we got collectively eviscerated last week? We're. Picks. I mean, we made. We. I think we only have this segment anymore because we like doing it. Listeners, yeah. fade us. We are bad at this. Oh yeah, please fade us. I went one and five. Like, I think. I think I went two. I think I went two. I'll. Uh, 
you were two and four. D, you were one and five. I was two and four. Um, let me see. Do I? I have. Do I still have last week's up? Do I? Let me. Let me pull up last week's real quick. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I. I couldn't agree more about the uh, the fade fade the ball bowl and gold podcast um, principle a- anymore. We. Uh, we suck pretty bad at this, unfortunately. Um, so last week. Last week we all had Notre Dame minus twenty and a half. That didn't hit. Um, we all took Virginia Tech minus three and a half. That didn't hit, although we probably weren't far off on that. We all won the Clemson Miami game. We all had Clemson minus fourteen and a half. That did hit. We got clean swept in the Red River game. Um, Texas minus two and a half. Although again we were close uh, quadruple overtime defense that. Um, one of the games that we differentiated here was Tennessee in uh, at Georgia. Georgia was laying 12 and a half. Georgia ends up covering. Although, D, you were not far off in your Tennessee pick either. Um, D was the only one who didn't hit that one. Um, D's lock of the week was Duke at Syracuse under 51 and a half. That was shattered pretty uh, pretty early. And then uh, Ian, Ian and I both had Florida at, at Texas A&M. Uh, Minus six and a half, and they didn't even get the win. So um, that was uh, a pretty tough showing last week for the fellas. That takes D's record to nine and fifteen, Ian's to eleven and thirteen, which is good for the clubhouse lead, which is pretty awful. Um, I feel like we're talking about Texas and Oklahoma again. Um, exciting, exciting stuff between bad pe- people who are pretty bad at their jobs, and then. 10 and 14 for yours truly. Um, so that uh, we've shaken out a top. Uh, we've had some separation between the one, two and three slot. All right, fellas, let's get into the games this week. The first one we're going to pick. What's up? We just can't, we can't be any worse than last week, right? Like you just got to get back on the horse. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult to be worse, but I, I hope that we begin to turn this around. We do have a few weeks to do it. I think that uh, college football is weird. Let's see if we can, let's see if we can match the weirdness and, and get hot here. All right. Louisville at Notre Dame. These lines come from FanDuel about an hour ago on Wednesday night. Um, Louisville at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's lane 17 and a half. Who do you guys got? Ooh, 17 and a half. I, th- that half is big. Not, I don't know. Cause I saw 16 and a half too. The 17 and a half. I think I'm 0 and 3 on Notre Dame against the spread and we are 1 and 2 against the spread. I think it's time we get one. I think it's time I get one. I'm going with the Irish to cover that. Uh, I think we clean things up, and we're we're back in South Bend. Three touchdowns. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 42-21. Yeah, honestly, if I think we just score too much, I think Louisville's defense that if Georgia Tech put up 46, I think we have a better offense than the true freshman QB starting at Georgia Tech. Uh, I think we get into the 50s. I don't think they get past 21. I think it's 52-21, easy. All right. Uh, I also agree. We're all locked up there. We all have the Irish again. Um, I'm going to go with a 48-20 score. I think we, we win by four touchdowns. Um, I think Louisville probably hangs in early, but uh, I think Notre Dame's too good and too deep to, to, to really let them hang around, especially in the second half. Hopefully pull away. Um, and I, I got 48-20 uh, for the final. Let's keep, let's keep putting up points and, and putting up some yards, huh? All right. We'll uh we'll go to another ACC game here. Um, I find this one to be extremely intriguing. Uh, Boston College going to Virginia Tech, um, going to Blacksburg. The Hokies are favored by twelve and a half. Um, what do you guys think? 
I think that's a really intriguing game too because Virginia Tech, I thought they looked good against North Carolina. Or not looked good, but I mean they put up points. They clearly could put up points and Boston College had have not looked great by any means. Uh, but one thing I could say about all of Boston College's games is they have been close. Um, and I think the ACC is so wild this year that I would rather bet on this game being close than a blowout. So I'm going to go with Boston College miraculously to cover at Virginia Tech. I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe Phil Djokovic can do something. Um, but I think it's going to have to be a relatively low-scoring game, but I'm hoping Boston College can stay with it. See, I disagree with you on low scoring, but I agree with the premise. Like Virginia Tech just gave up 56 points to a team that's you know primarily going through the air in uh, UNC. And that's basically all Boston College has done this year with Phil is kind of air it out. So I think I think this game is more of a shootout than we would expect from these two teams historically. But yeah, I, I have BC. I think 12 and a half is a pretty big number just because BC played, you know, came down to that two point conversion against Carolina when they played and then Carolina beat Virginia Tech. So yeah, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I also have BC. I, I'm inclined to agree more with Ian just on principle. I think I haven't seen BC play a very high scoring game um, so far this year. Uh, I think it'll be another low scoring affair, uh, another tight game, uh, which Boston College find, tends to find themselves in uh, a lot so far. Um, so I'll go into the low scoring game. I still think Tech wins the game at home. But I do not see uh, I do not see them covering. I think that's a pretty big spread for for a team that's played uh, played pretty well. All right, next game is Pittsburgh at Miami. That's a noon kick from Hard Rock. Um, Miami's favored by thirteen and a half. What do you guys think? Did this line jump a ton? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it moved a ton. Um, yes. I was on Miami when it was ten and a half. It was ten. Uh, it opened. It opened. It opened at ten and a half. Ten or ten and a half. Yeah, I was on Miami there, uh, but I'm on Pittsburgh now. I, Miami just got beat up by Clemson. I could see them. I don't want to say falling asleep, but just kind of struggling to rebound. Um, and I think this game is either Miami blowout or Pitt wins it. Honestly, because if Pitt's D line can handle Miami's O line and really cause some problems for Derek King. I think they could come out on top of this game. So I'm going to take Pitt to cover, and I think I would maybe sprinkle a little bit on their money line. Hmm. Yep. It's good value. Very um, good value. Yeah, so this is a game that I've also been bad. I thought this was you know my toughest one at 13.5 this week. But Pitt's biggest vulnerability in the games that they've gotten scored on is getting beat deep with the pass. And I think – with Derek King, I think he's a quarterback. You know, he's like Mikhail Cunningham, who had a lot of shots to his receivers in that Louisville pick game. They just couldn't pull him in a lot of the time. Um, yeah, it's a game. I think I agree with you. It could. It's basically going to be Miami wins by twenty plus or Pitt wins, but I'm going to take Miami. I think you know maybe uh, the culture's changing down there. Who the hell knows? Honestly, this is a shot in the dark. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to go against my gut. Honestly, my gut says Pitt, and I went one and five last week. So, <laughs> fuck it, I'm going with Miami. Um, yeah, I think that uh, my my gut says my gut says Miami, um, and my head says Miami. But I still just I like Pitt um, because I think that I think the the Pitt's just going to keep this game a little bit closer than than two touchdowns. 
Um, I just, I think those, I think it's too many points agreed with Ian that I think probably earlier in the week I would have had, uh, I may have taken Miami, especially if it was 10 or 10 and a half, but I, I think Pitt, Pitt keeps us a little closer. Um, and less, less than 13 point, 13 or less points. Uh, so I'll go with, I'll go with Pitt, uh, Pitt in that game for sure. All right. Next game, intriguing one here, um, from, from the non-power fives, Cincinnati at Tulsa, Tulsa, uh, Tulsa's three and a half point home dogs. What do you guys think? Do you want to switch up the order so uh, you guys aren't going last? Uh, either way. Do you want, you want to start? Yeah, I, I can take this one. Um, see, I, you know, being from Cincinnati, I therefore hate the University of Cincinnati, but I know their football team's good this year. They're, you know, this is a game that you know, probably take the under. It appears they just don't have that explosive of an offense, but their defense is really good. Um, they have some guys, Jarrell White at linebacker, who is an absolute freak show in high school. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, just do I think Cincinnati is the eighth best team in the country? No, of course not. I think that's just a product of them moving up in the polls by default. But I think they're better than Tulsa by three and a half points. So I, I think they cover that. Bearcats, baby. Uh, I'm also on the Bearcats. I think that uh, – would love to see. Would love to see Michael Young Jr. in the end zone again. Um, that's uh, that's always that's always good to see. Um, I think the offense is, offense is actually not uh, is a little bit better than people give it credit for. Tulsa, I Tulsa, I will say, has played played some really good games against or has played really well against some top tier teams like Oklahoma State. So uh, that's a little bit scary, especially Tulsa at home. But I think I think the Cincinnati I, again, like Donna said, I think they're deserving the eighth best team in the country right now. But uh, I think they're still pretty good. I'll take the Bearcats. Yep, I'm I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, like Dono said, I don't think Tulsa's a bad team, but I think Cincinnati's a pretty good team, and I think they're three and a half points better than Tulsa here. So uh, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with the Bearcats. All right, all right. America's America's game of the week here um, is Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs go to Tuscaloosa to take Tuscaloosa to take on uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, this game was the line was six and a half. Uh, Alabama is favored by six and a half at home. Um, but earlier this afternoon, we found out that Nick Saban has come down, has tested positive for COVID, left the facility immediately. Um, unlikely that he'll be on the sidelines this weekend. Um, so the line has now moved down to three and a half. Um, I have a pick. I felt a lot more comfortable about it at noon today than I did at five o'clock today. Um, but I'll probably still ride with it. Uh, I got. Georgia. Uh, I'm taking All Georgia. Right. Dogs have won you some money this year. Yeah, they, they did. Have. I hope. I hope that riding riding with them continues. I think their defense is really good. Um, Stinson Bennett. Stinson Bennett does not have to play out of his mind. He just has to not turn the ball over here. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if he can do that. Um, I hope. I hope that Georgia can go and survive in Tuscaloosa and and, and at least keep this game within three points. All right. Well, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Bama here, and I don't want to diminish the value of coaching because I know how important this, uh, Nick Saban is to that team. But I'm not convinced that him not being on the sideline means he's not gonna be involved in the game somehow. I think it's gonna be a little bit of like a, a major league manager getting thrown out of game and just kind of coaching from the from the from the dugout. But uh, not that Saban's gonna have the exact same impact, but. I still think Bama's the better team than Georgia. 
and I think that they can cover that three and a half. I think their offense is maybe a little bit better than that Georgia defense is good, and I think their defense is probably better than that Georgia offense is good. So I'm going to go with Bama here, and almost a little happy that I'm getting like getting a little leeway with some points. Oh yeah, Ian. Ian, I'm with you here. I think I think it was Hugh Freeze when he was at Liberty, like it was in the hospital. So- from the press box in the hospital bed. I don't know if they'll, you know, just for the optics of everything, allow Saban in the stadium, but he's going to be there on the headset with somebody. I'm sure of it. There's no way they wouldn't let him. Um, you know, once again, like the reason Saban's been so good at Alabama recently is because he hires, you know, really good coordinators. You know, all of his defensive coordinators go on to get great head coaching jobs. You know, Lane Kiffin was there on the offensive coordinator side. Sarkeesian's a great football mind. Who knows, you know, about his leadership skills, had a kind of sketchy pass, but a great for one game. <laughs> exactly. Um, but for Sarkeesian, it's – you have so many weapons at your disposal. Najee Harris, you know, the receivers, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. I mean, how do you account for all of those guys if you're a defense? You know, Georgia's probably maybe the one team in the country that can do it. But it's still, you know, it's going to be a huge challenge, I think. <laughs> Hello, dog. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think Bama's just a better team. I'm just looking at, you know, ever since uh, Saban's been there, you know, the last 12 years, Georgia hasn't beat them. It's been close. That's why, you know, if it was a six and a half, it wouldn't scare me, but – it's still like Alabama's, you know, usually about a touchdown better than Georgia. So, all right, anybody, uh, anybody got a lock they would like to share with me? Yep, I'm really excited about my lock because all right, this yeah, week I get the chance to bet with the Mormons. BYU you took mine. I had, BYU, a, I had a backup, but you took mine. BYU is only five point favorites at Houston. Houston is Houston season has been impossible to follow with COVID stuff. Um, are they at Are they at Houston or are they in, in, at BYU? I believe it's I believe it's at Houston, um, okay. which I think would probably make that line a little bit smaller again. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I love I love this BYU team as I mentioned before. They squeaked by UTSA twenty seven twenty, but UTSA coached by Jeff Trailer is is not a bad football team, and I think that's like a decent win for BYU. And I definitely think that they can beat Houston by a touchdown. So I'm going BYU minus five. Um, Mormons. So, D, I'm going to jump in front of you real quick because that was that was my original pick, and I had a feeling that Ian would be on would be would be on that. Um, I love that pick um, a lot, actually. Um, I think that's probably some of the easier money you'll make all weekend um, if you're a betting man. Um, but I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go stay on Friday night. I'm going to go with the SMU Mustangs. Um, they were my lock that hit earlier this week. They are on the road at Tulane. Uh, plus uh, minus minus six and a half. Um, I know they'll have their top receiver out, uh, Robinson, but I still think that that this SMU team is is built for speed, um, and, and we'll get the job done in New Orleans against Tulane on Friday night. Um, wouldn't even mind seeing uh, seeing a little combo parlay action between the Mormons uh, and and the, and the Mustangs for uh, for some value. So I'll I'll take SMU on the road at Tulane minus six and a half. Yeah, I guess I like betting over-unders for this. I think it's fun, you know, not relying on a team for a lock, but rather for points. Makes that game a little more fun to bet, I guess. Uh, I'm going to go down to the American. It's one of those huge overs this week. It's the UCF 
Memphis. It's UCF at Memphis taking over 73 and a half points. Sheesh. I'm gonna I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of points. That's that a, lot a lot of points. We, we've, seen, we've seen a bunch of these super high over-unders hit this year. The Red River yeah, rivalry was right there. I know that was four overtimes, but shit, this might be a four overtime game. You know, it's the same spread, three and a half. I think, you know, these two teams have been in a lot of shootouts recently. So, yeah, yeah. I don't hate that. Hopefully that I continues. Hopefully. I think it's a, I think I think it's a good good pick, and I also think that that game, as as proven over the last few years, has proven to be a very good football game to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's proven to be one, one of the funner one of the funner games uh, on a Saturday. So I'll be, I'll have eyes on that one as well. Thank God we don't have to deal with UCF being undefeated again. That just cannot have yeah. done with that. That nope. I agree. All right, fellas. We'll uh, we'll get the board out. Thanks to our listeners for sur- for submitting some questions again last week for for this week. All right. Yep. Now do it. Have a good week, guys.